0: There's in, there's in. There was it, there was
1: and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I have a wonderful show lined up for you guys this evening, but before I get started, you know what? Forget all that. Let's just start the show. I grew up in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. I went to college near the Great Lakes, and I've lived in several big cities. I currently reside among the towering cedar trees in the mountains of Southern California. But there is one environment I have not spent much time in, and that is the southern swamps. To me, the swamp conjures up an assortment of horrible thoughts. Between the fauna, the insects, the parasites and the black water, I feel like a man like myself doesn't stand much of a chance. But it seems there are other dangers lurking in the swamplands, and I'm not talking about cottonmouths and alligators. If you spend enough time talking to folks around those parts, you'll hear tales of the Falk monster, the skunk ape, and the cajun werewolf, the lougarou. Perhaps it's one of these beasts that our first caller describes. The following is Gavin's account of a creature he witnessed in the backwoods of Louisiana.
2: Hey, um, my name is Gavin. Um, I am from Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, my, my story, I don't know what exactly it is, but I wanted to know if anybody else kind of seen what I saw uh, when I was younger. So it was probably um, late '90s, so '97, '98, somewhere in that range, and I was I was probably like nine or ten, and maybe younger than that, maybe seven or eight. And uh, if you if it, anybody's from like the deep south, everybody has like a camp that's out in the woods, pretty deep. So this is this is pretty much out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, the the area we're in is a uh, I'm 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 with my family, my dad. And a few family members, like my brother, and uh, it's probably about ten people total. And the area we're in is pretty deep, like I said. And uh, but they've got a big cutout area, probably uh, ten to fifteen acres, right against the woods. And it's it's cut out and there's a couple trailers on it, and it's very it's very open. They've got like swings and trees, uh, just for the kids. And then, like I said, there's camps, and basically people just go hunting. Uh, from there, and then there's a river that runs across the street. The other on the other side, but basically everything is like cut really short. Like the grass is very well done, and there's a long fence that runs across the whole thing. Just a uh, regular barbed wire fence. It's probably 75 hundred yards long total um, across the backside that runs against the deep woods. And like I said, it it's woods. As soon as you cross that fence, it's just like you can't see five feet in front of you. Uh, it's just uh, but anyway, um, it's the middle of the summer and it's pretty. It's pretty warm out. Uh, it's like I said, it's Louisiana, so it's probably 85 even at the uh, even when it's starting to get dark. And uh, it's probably about nine or ten o'clock almost, and it's, it's pretty dark outside. Uh, we can't see anything, but we're out, and me, and my dad, and my brother, and um, like I said, whoever else is there, I don't remember, really remember at the time. Uh, a few other kids were sitting around a campfire and we were like roasting hot dogs and stuff and I'm facing towards everybody there's, I don't think there was anybody else on my side but I'm looking at my dad and my brother and I can see all the way to the end and we're, the, we're around this, this fire and there's not really any lights around us um, but I look over uh, my dad's shoulder and I can see we're probably um, two-thirds to the other side so we're probably 50 yards 50 yards away from the other end of the fence, where it, it kind of like the corner, and I can see right past that fence, um, right over it, are these bright. I don't even know what they are. They look like eyes. Um, I, I describe them like a like tail lights. They're they're really big. Like we're 50 yards away, and they look like probably a foot around, half foot around, and they don't gl- or they don't uh they aren't bright like tail lights or something like that they're they're that kind of red but they they almost like you can see the glow I don't know they're like solid it's not like a bright you, there's no light coming out of you. you can't see like a beam or anything from them that's not glowing around the side it's just thick and red like deep red and uh, there's two of them they're basically like, they look like eyes to me and I'm just petrified like something's I can see something staring at me, and um, there's no pupils or anything like that. And um, I'm basically staring at these things for probably a minute, and they have the slowest blink. Like at first, I thought they were like tail lights or something, but uh, because I couldn't explain what they were, but it was a they just had the slowest blink, like blink, and then the eyes open open back up and then slowly again, and I didn't know what it was, but it kept looking, and I looked away, and I kept shaking my head, and I didn't I didn't know what to do because they were just staring at me the whole time, and um, I didn't want to say anything. I had that, I was young, and I had that fear of, like, something's going to kill us, like. and at the time, there was all kinds of news reports about like stuff like the chupacabra and stuff like that, and I was like, maybe that's what this is, but I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to uh, freak everybody out, but, uh, I couldn't explain what it was, um, and I'm, being from there, I hunted the rest of my life, like, even after this, I hunted, I've been all through the woods and seen all kinds of different color eyes, like, uh, I know what deer look like, and I know what large animal, other animals look like, and it was, there was no lights around this, like I said, it was 50 yards away from this campfire, and it was, other than that, it was pitch black everywhere, and, uh, the but these eyes were just glowing, like they were really big. But I couldn't explain what it was, and I don't know if i said it before, but they were right about just over the top length of the fence, so probably four foot, maybe five foot off the ground at the most. And uh, I just I wanted to uh, see if anybody knew what this was, but they were really big, and I have no clue what they were. Being from Louisiana, like I said, I did a lot of hunting, and, but I've heard a lot of stories of just different uh, mystical creatures in the, in the swamp uh, that my grandparents used to tell us about, but nothing that would explain what this is. So if anybody knows, it would be great to hear the stories. But thanks a lot. All right, bye-bye.
1: Thank you, Gavin, for sharing your story. At first glance, I feel many would say that what you witnessed that evening was some sort of upright creature, and I'd say that they'd be 100% correct. You see, I've read many encounters exactly like yours, a pair of large eyes reflecting light from high above the ground. In most of those cases, the source of that eye shine is identifiable, and I can't help but feel that your experience follows suit. You see, there are a few telltale characteristics of your description that point to the culprit. The slow blinking, the eyes just being over the fence, the bright reflection, and the large eyes. To me, this illustrates perfectly an owl sitting on the fence, staring back at you. Now I realize this explanation seems too easy, but hear me out for a moment. There are at least nine different species of owl found in the state of Louisiana including the very large great horned owl. Owls are nocturnal, which means they have very large eyes, designed to reflect as much light as possible. In addition, watch a video of an owl blinking. It can be comically slow. So, in my opinion, I think it was very likely that it wasn't the missing link or some lizard man that you saw, but rather a normal, everyday owl. But I certainly can see how an encounter like that can give you a fright. I know it would make me do a double take. Thanks again, Gavin, for calling in. Our next story is a two-parter. The first half of this call references an encounter from Episode 4 of Season 3. If you remember, Carrie detailed her experience with an enormous bird that brought with it a missing chunk of time. Well, Amanda is back with a similar experience and a bonus story from her home state of Pennsylvania.
3: Hello, this is Amanda from Pennsylvania. I called in a few times and thought I'd call in again to share some stories with you. Uh, Firstly, I wanted to respond to the call from Carrie on Season 3, Episode 4. She called and told us about a really large bird that she had a an interaction with um, some lost time uh, but there was blood and stuff like that. I had something similar happen uh, to me when I was like 20 years old. This was in, uh, in and around like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was living with my parents at the time. Um, I'm not going to disclose the exact location because I don't have their permission to do so, So, um, but suffice it to say, it's, it's around Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and um <clears throat> i was 20 years old at the time living with them and i was in bed uh waiting i guess to get up for the day i think i was snoozing uh before the alarm went off it would have been just before dawn and um i heard a nasty like scratch noise at the window next to my bed i looked over and there was a huge bird there um so massive it seemed to take up the whole window Shape-wise, the closest thing I can equate it to is like a raven, about the size of an eagle, perhaps. I remember feeling like my body was trapped and I couldn't move. The bird had red eyes and almost like fur about the neck instead of feathers. Um, I remember just being really creeped out by it because it was trying really hard to get into the window. And I heard this voice saying to let it in. And that creeped me out even more. Um, and then suddenly, I was, like, able to move a little bit, and move my arm, and I started trying to open the window, but it was, like, trying to move through tar, and also, I felt like I wasn't in control of my own actions, like, I didn't actually want to open the window, but that's what I was trying to do. Um, it was kind of like, the only thing I can equate it to is, like, being a marionette on a string, Like, somebody else was controlling what my arm was doing, and I was aware of what was happening, but I had no way of stopping it. Like, that's kind of how I felt. Um, Anyway, I tried to open the window, but it was like trying to move through tar. I had the window open maybe three inches before my bedroom door opened. Um, And as soon as it did, everything went back to normal, and the bird flew away. Now, remember, it was before dawn when all this started. My alarm clock hadn't gone off yet, and at the time, to make it to work on time, I usually got up around six. Um, When my mom walked in, it was 9.30 a.m., and I was an hour late for work. Um, I dismissed it as a dream, but when I came home and went back into my bedroom, I noticed that my window was open, About three inches, and that freaked me out a little bit because it felt like some sort of physical proof, I guess. But to reassure myself, I went outside and around the house to my bedroom window, which is on the first floor, um, the ranch house. And I figured a bird that big would have left some sort of trace, like a feather or something. All that was there were some large gouges in the wood where presumably it perched and a few red smears on the siding. That could have been blood, I don't know. Um, I didn't, I didn't check. Um, So basically freaking out, I told my stepdad and he said it was probably just a bird that flew into the window and hurt itself. Um, I didn't tell him about (laughs) the whole encounter, but um, just a little bit of it. So that's a little bit different from Carrie's story. Um, I think it's probably a smaller bird than the one she saw, but it did have some similarities, which I thought was interesting such as the loss of time um, and and that that sort of thing, the red eyes. Though to this day I'm still not sure if it was actually a dream or if it was actually like a creature that I encountered. Um, So who knows? (laughs) Maybe if anyone else has encountered a bird like this they can kind of shed some light on it perhaps. Uh, The next thing I wanted to talk about was a black cat sighting. Now this isn't my sighting. I didn't see it, but a friend of mine did. Um, And so did a whole bunch of other people, which is why this seems a little more credible than just something I randomly experienced or a story a friend told me. Um, This is multiple people have seen it. Um, Now once a month, from April to October, me and a bunch of my friends go camping um, around New Paris, Pennsylvania. Usually the third weekend every month. Now last year, there'd been talk of mountain cats causing issues for hunters in the area. A heavy hunting area and there's a lot of wildlife like coyotes, um, mountain cats, like mountain lions, things like that. Um, that's not completely rare for them to be causing a lot of problems for the hunters out in the woods. That's a little rare, um, but again not completely out of the ordinary. Now the man who owns the property that we camp on is one of the hunters um, locals to the area. So each time we come to camp, we get a report from him every time, so that we're careful not to wander alone at night if the bobcats have been really bad or, you know, things like, like where they're hunting is off limits, that kind of thing. Uh, well, months went by, and all was well. My friend wanted to go and stargaze. The rest of us were up at this, like, old cabin, and we were, you know, drinking and talking. So he wanders off down the dirt road to do so. He was not drunk. <laughs> Um, Now, the path that he went down is the path that we use to drive to the site. Um, It's wide enough to accommodate a truck and clear of tree cover. So it's perfect for stargazing. Um, Otherwise, he would have to find a clear spot in the forest, and good luck with that. Uh, Well, he was gone, like, maybe two hours. Um, When he came back up the path, he looked super spooked. We asked him what was up, and he said he was laying there. And he heard something big coming at him in the brush, so he stood up, of course, to look around, and it stopped. But he was able to make out glowing eyes and a sizable black body, um, which he thought was a mountain cat. We laughed it off, thinking he'd spooked himself, because they usually don't come that close to the area that we camp in, because there's there's, uh, floodlights and everything that we keep on for that reason. Uh, Well, this last time we got out, our usual, you know, wild, wildlife briefing out of the way, and we're told about a black cat specifically causing problems. We were told it was extremely aggressive. Now, his description is one thing, but the man who owns the property who corroborated what he saw called it a fisher cat. I did some research, and a fisher cat, while potentially native to the area, is actually a type of weasel, not usually going over eight pounds. While they can be very aggressive, the description doesn't quite fit what my friend and the local hunters have claimed to have seen. So, black cat panther sighting, or a fisher cat, given size by fear response and a dark night. I'm not sure. But enough people have seen it that I have to wonder, because the hunter's description of it is a very scary animal, that they try to avoid at all costs and who often messes up their hunts. So, if it's aggressive enough to be messing with hunters out there with guns, then, you know, it's got to be pretty, pretty nasty. Uh, so, maybe it's just the bobcat with rabies or something to that effect. I'm not sure, but just thought I'd let you guys know since I've heard a lot of black cat stories on the show. Thank you and have a great day.
1: Thank you, Amanda. Just as I was with Carrie's call, I'm at a loss for words on these massive bird stories. It seems both calls have a lot of common elements, enough to raise an eyebrow at the very least. My only explanation for your experience is that you were suffering from some sort of vivid dream, but that would not explain the gouge marks nor the fact that the window was found open. So for now, I'll continue to look into this phenomenon, hopefully someone, somewhere, has some answers. Now, as for your big cat story, I find a few things very interesting. Firstly, as I discussed way back in the very first episode, there has never been a proven case of a melanistic cougar or mountain lion. For those unfamiliar, melanistic means all black, so basically the complete opposite of an albino. Yet, so many people, including myself, have witnessed what appears to be exactly that. Also, there is no scientific proof that mountain lions or cougars still reside in the state of Pennsylvania, yet countless outdoorsmen swear that they do. It makes me wonder what makes them so certain. And lastly, you are correct. A fisher cat, or fisher, is a very large member of the weasel family, but they do not grow to a size that would make them intimidating to anything larger than, say, a chicken. There is such a thing as a fishing cat, but it's spotted like a leopard and lives only in Southeast Asia. So what was encountered here is beyond me, but I'm happy to hear I'm not alone in thinking something large and feline is stalking the foothills of the mountains of the Midwest and East Coast. Thank you again, Amanda. Our next story harkens back to a caller received a while back. In that story, a caller referenced a ghost that appeared to be made out of TV static. Well, the following story seems to share that same attribute. This is Nicole's story. Hi, my name is Nicole and I had a strange experience happen to me back in 1996. I remember that it was 96 because my boyfriend at the time became my husband the next year. He lived in an old house in Buffalo, New York at the time. It was a big house that had been split into two apartments that he shared with a number of roommates. At the time this happened, only my boyfriend and I were home. I was sleeping over at his place and had decided to go to bed. My boyfriend wanted to watch TV for a bit in the living room, so I went to bed alone. I shut the door so I would not hear the TV. I laid down and might have dozed off for a minute. I can't really recall. But for some reason, I opened my eyes. The room was dimly lit with streetlights that were coming in through the windows. As I was laying on my side facing the open room, I had a chair a few feet from the bed. While I lay there, and my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I thought I saw someone sitting in that chair. It was strange. I clearly saw a shape of a human sitting in a chair, but there were no features. Just kind of looked like TV static. Like when you have the TV on a channel that has no station. Fuzzy. I thought maybe it was my boyfriend and I called out his name and reached out to him. It was very cold. I did not feel an object, just a coldness. That's when I started to panic. I crawled down to the end of the bed near where the door was and the figure seemed to go in front of the door, like trying to block it. I started screaming my boyfriend's name. He rushed in, the room filled with light and there was nothing there. I swore to him that someone had been in the room. And as I calmed down, I felt kinda silly, as there was clearly no one there. Needless to say, I decided not to go to sleep and convinced my boyfriend to sleep at my place instead. I love the show and look forward to more. Thanks for sharing my story. Nicole Thank you for sharing, Nicole. This makes the third or fourth time I've heard of a ghostly encounter with an entity made up of some sort of static or TV fuzz. I'm curious to know if anyone out there has encountered anything like this, or at the very least, heard of it. If so, please reach out to me. Stick around to the end of the show to learn how you can submit. Up next is a strange tale of prediction, by way of our four-legged friends. This is Kay's call.
4: Hey, this is Kay. Um... So, uh, I actually was listening pretty recently and I heard the story about the dog of doom, um, uh, on, I think two episodes ago and, uh, reminded me of the story my brother actually told me of, uh, something that's kind of happened with him. Um, whenever people are about to die, it seems that he, uh, he sees a dog, um, somewhere around, like, that's just unusual. Like, um... The night that my uh, uncle was shot, This is I never had the chance to meet him, um, but my brother was, I think, three or four at the time. And he had a nightmare and uh, he woke up and went to go and tell my parents. And he, uh, as he was going down the hallway, he was blocked by this big wolf-like dog. And we had a husky at the time and so he thought okay well that's her and she just doesn't want me to go there for some reason um so you know he he kind of just was like all right well I'll just go back to my room then he goes back to the uh to his room and the husky is sleeping on the bed and the hallway is really small so there's no way that it could have that she could have snuck past him or anything like that so he had seen something that was blocking him from going to my parents. And like I say, that was the night that my, uh, uncle died. Um, and then, uh, later on, quite a bit later when he was 16 or so, uh, he was driving down the road. Um, and, uh, we live in New Mexico and so coyotes and stuff aren't a rarity, uh, especially up where he was driving, which is uh, near the mountains. Um, but he was driving, and suddenly he saw what looked like coyotes, but massive. Like he said, they were great Dane size. And, and if you've seen coyotes, it's like, they're, you know, 40 pounds, maybe, uh, you know, they're not, not big creatures, but like these things were the size of a great Dane and they were running parallel to his car, um, just constantly, uh, keeping pace with him as he was going 50, 55 miles per hour, um. And then uh, it turned out that that night my uh, grandmother had passed away, um, and so yeah, I just uh, heard the Dog of doom story, and I thought that maybe this would something kind of related to that. Um, I haven't seen them myself, but my brother isn't the type to make stories up, so I mean I trust him completely on it. So yeah, thanks for the podcast. Bye.
1: thank you, Kay. As I always seem to mention, ghostly, out of place, and downright strange dogs always seem to freak me out. I could not imagine seeing a pack of coyotes that size. The normal-sized coyotes are intimidating by themselves. I'd hate to run into some strange big ones. As for them being a harbinger of doom, sure. It's possible it's a big coincidence. Maybe the coyotes appeared larger than they really were, Maybe your brother had a dream about his husky dog, and it got jumbled in his head over the years. But the fact that both of these strange experiences happened on days preceding a family member's death gives one pause. Perhaps there is something more to all of this. Thanks again for sharing your encounter. I want to close out the episode with another visit to the Local Monsters segment. This week we head up to the small town of Rhinelander, Wisconsin to visit with a most likely mythical creature. It's said to be large, greenish-black with horns on its face and spikes on its back. Of course, I'm referring to the hodak of money, tourism, of course, plays a big role in the Northwoods economy here in central Wisconsin. And stories of monsters in Rhinelander often attract people looking to learn more about that. Our Rob Duns joins us now live with more on that story. Rob?
5: Yeah, Daniel, the the, uh, Yeti hikes the Himalayas. The Loch Ness Monster swims in Scotland. And tonight, we're wandering Wisconsin for hodags. It lives in the Northwoods. First as a monster. Then a hoax and now a legend.
6: A logger by the name of Eugene uh, Shepard said that he saw this creature that he captured in the woods and he would take it around and have it in a tent with low lighting so that people would think that it was a true live animal. I think the town just kind of got behind the fun of it all and so we've kind of carried that on here in Rhinelander.
5: From lurking around the Northwoods to becoming the mascot of Rhinelander High School, today the legend of the Hodag has taken not a whole new meaning.
6: Visitors are always stopping by saying we heard about this hodag. We had to stop by.
5: The legend of the hodag first appeared in print 118 years ago. Now the city's trail of hodags, along with a few subtle reminders helps keep this legend alive.
6: But I love when little kids come in and they'll be looking at all the hodeg stuff and you'll say, so are you guys going to go hodeg hunting while you're here? You have to go looking for the hodeg. You know, he loves to go swimming in the lakes and little kids' eyes get really big. And, you know, he loves to be out in the forest. And little kids just get this look on their face and they love the whole story and the whole tale of it. And so I think that's really fun for us to be able to do.
5: The story of the hodeg brings in curious visitors hoping to catch a glimpse that brings in money to the Northwoods, an undeniable sign of this mysterious creature. And though it is a hoax, maybe, just maybe, something could be there, even if you don't see it looking back.
1: The previous news clip was provided by YouTube user Rob Dunn's TV, and features a segment from W A O W News Nine of Wausau, Wisconsin. And the following clip was provided by YouTube user. Rhinelander hodag, and at least to me, appears to be a fictional account. But from what I gather, fiction seems to be a big part of the hodag legend.
0: I was mushroom hunting on a trail, a logging trail up in northern Oneida County, uh, north of Rhinelander here, and I got to a turn in, in the trail, and as I made the turn, I saw this green thing there. He was green, and he was... Whistling and he was clapping and he was kind of on three legs giving me one of these pointing to Something that was around the corner in the ditch and when I got there sure enough there was another one And when I looked back at him, he took off down the trail And in the ditch there was I heard grunting it, it sounded like somebody uh, Who eat, eat potatoes trying to get into an old pair of Levi's and uh, What it was it was another hoedag that I thought was giving birth, but uh, you know its head was leaning back, trying to get its horns near its tail. And as I got closer, I realized he he or she must have sat down in a in a uh, ant's nest, and it was all over the the, the tail end of this this egg. And I kind of felt sorry for it. And I got real close, and there, really, there was nothing I could do. I had already wet my pants, and uh, the first thing I saw was this huge green tail, and I thought it was a snake because I was used to snakes. I, I, I learned how to sleep standing up on a dresser uh, when our boa constrictor got loose in the house. And uh, I figured best I could do was maybe take the uh, bottle of, of mosquito lotion in my pocket, and take the cork out and splash that on uh, the, the, the tail end of this egg in the ditch, and maybe I'll get rid of the ant, ants. Big mistake. It, I, 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 tossed the mosquito lotion, the ants kind of scattered, this thing popped up, screeched, and all the uh, seed cones fell out of the trees, and that's why you wonder why we got so much evergreen trees up here. Anyhow, I thought it was coming after me, but it, what it was, it, it was kind of looking for, for help, and I, uh, kept dodging behind trees, uh, trying to get away, and, uh, uh when, when I finally, uh, Got to a point where I was exhausted. and It was exhausted. It, after the another big screen, backed up to a huge pine tree and started scratching from, from the back end to the forward. And fortunately, uh, uh, I was near my car and I, I, I was out the end of the trail and I, I went to my car. Waited for a bit when, when everything seemed to stop. I walked back to get my mushrooms, which were in the bag, and. Uh, I looked, and that tree was leaning about 30 degrees, and all that was left at the base of the tree was a head and this, the horns of that hoedag. And I took it back home, and I have it mounted over a fireplace in my uh, one of my cabins. And the last time I told that story was to a door-to-door insurance salesman. He didn't believe me either, so I'm going for 50-50 here.
1: And that's going to do it for this episode. But before I go... I have an embarrassing correction to make. Last week, I featured a story from a caller named Elodie. Throughout the call, I mistakenly referred to Elodie as a man, but later realized my mistake. My apologies. I now know that Elodie is a woman's name. Don't forget to head over to cryptidcrate.com to check out all the buzz. The margins on each crate are super slim, but I'm offering a dollar-off discount to my loyal listeners. Use coupon code chupacabra 88 to take advantage of that limited offer. Please rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to subscribe. To share your story, simply call the toll-free hotline at one 888 608 That's 1-888-608-6444. The line is open 24 hours, so feel free to call anytime. I'm actually running a bit low on calls lately. I've been attempting to produce longer shows, which means I use up more of my call library. So if you've been sitting on the fence... I just want to take a quick moment to thank all the following people, shows, and events for their recent support. Dave and David at Blurry Photos Podcast. Kyle and Cam at Expanded Perspectives. Shannon at Into the Fray Radio. Toby at Secret Transmission Podcast and cryptidcon do yourself a favor and check out these fine shows and while you're at it look into cryptidcon it's september 9th and 10th in frankfort kentucky rumor is that i'm contemplating going myself thank you all again for your continued support music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and nature world 1986 thank you all for listening and until next week